Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. Because God will use broken people. We find many stories in the Bible who, uh, of individuals who were broken and uh, who were possibly hard-headed or who had a past and uh, maybe they didn't have a huge lineage of uh, ministers in their family. You know, one example is the prophet Jeremiah. Uh, he faced a lot of prose- uh, uh, pro- persecution as a prophet and uh, as he was trying to lead the Israelites out of bondage, he faced opposition nearly at every turn of his journey. God knew that Jeremiah would face persecution. He would face doubters. He would face uncomfortable situations. But yet, God called Jeremiah for such a time as this. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. God is giving a promise to Jeremiah immediately saying, I know what you're going to go through, Jeremiah. But before you were even a thought, before you were even conceived, before any of that was a thing, I already knew you before. The calling was settled before birth. But yet in the story of the prophet Jeremiah, he says, he responds to the call of God. He says, I am just a child and I, I can't even speak right. And, and immediately the calling of Jeremiah, it starts with doubt immediately. And God responds to him simply saying, do not say that you are just a child. Don't just say you're a young person, but rather I will send you and I will give you the words to speak. At times we use excuses even though we know God's been dealing with us. Even though we know God's been challenging us and God has been trying to call us to a level of ministry and a level of submission, we use excuses like life is just so busy, I really can't do that. Or we say, you know what, I'm dealing with a lot of health issues or I'm having family issues or just life in general is incredibly hard. We will make excuse after excuse after excuse, but yet God keeps calling and God keeps trying to move in our life. We understand in this room today that we have received callings from God. I am looking at a people that has heard from God. You are just you just experienced a great move of God just moments ago. So I know God is already dealing and already working with your heart. Even though sometimes we don't feel qualified to go, we don't feel qualified to participate, we don't feel qualified to be a part of what God is doing. May I remind us today that God never calls the qualified. He always qualifies the called. He will always work with you where you are to make you who he wants you to be. And this morning I felt very just bold in the Holy Ghost when I say things like this. I say it with complete love, but I say it's time to put all the excuses away. It's time to put the opportunities of the world behind us and say, you know what, God, as for me and my house, as for me and my family, I will serve God. I will dedicate my life to the kingdom. I will be used by God. I am ready to be a soul winner. I'm ready to be used by God. It is time. The the time is way too late in in this day and age for us to say, I'll wait next week. I'll wait till next month. But God, help me to be used today. I know I'm a broken person. I know I'm not a perfect person, but God, please use me today. It's time to say yes to God. It's time to say yes to God. In Judges chapter 6, we find the story of Gideon. And Gideon was a very reluctant military and spiritual leader who, who delivered Israel from uh, captivity for seven, from seven years. And Judges chapter 6, verse 1, it says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Midian seven years. 
The children were, uh, were, were in captivity to the Midianites for seven years. The reason why was very simple. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. They were worshiping false idols. The Bible says that the children of Israel were greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. They were ravaging all their resources and food. They had nothing left. And God finds Gideon just fearfully threshing wheat in a wine press. And he's trying to provide for the people around him. But yet he was so terrified of what was going on because they were now in captivity and he was the leader. It finally got to the point where the children of Israel became desperate and, and the cry, they cry out to God in desperation. In Judges 6.10, uh, God gives them a promise of fear not, but you have not obeyed my voice. Can I just tell you today, obedience is the fastest way to the will of God. So often we will try to put it, push aside cones. We'll try to push aside what we are feeling, and we, we are not ready to submit. We're not really ready to obey what God is saying. But can I just tell you today, obedience is the will of God. If God is calling you to do it, you must obey. And I, I know it's a, it's, it's a hard thing to say because that's going to require sacrifice. That's going to cost you something. If you're going to truly obey the voice of God, it's going to cost you something. But there is power in obeying God's voice. There is power in being faithful to what God has called you to. There is liberty when you are saying, God, I will submit everything I got to you. It seems like it's just a, a, a reverse thought where you say, God, I will give everything to you and all of a sudden you're set free. It's a true statement. I can tell you right now, obeying God's voice will be the greatest thing you can do with, with your life. Obeying God's voice is just like following the Acts 2.38 salvation plan where you are uh, re re repent of your sins and be baptized in Jesus' name and receive the Holy Ghost. That's obeying what God is saying. It starts with that, but it keeps on going. But yet here God is giving Gideon a promise. He says, fear not, but because you, uh, because you guys did not listen, because you did not obey my voice, you are facing this right now. And he then meets with Gideon under an oak tree in verses 12 through 13. It says, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. The truth is this, Gideon is doing what we have done in our life at some point. We start questioning, God, why am I here? God, why am I facing what I'm facing? God, why did, you know, I, I heard you of you giving miracles to my, to my, to the lineage. I, I see you giving miracles to, the, to my brother and to my sister. I see you doing all these things, but God, why are we in captivity? God, I, I read a scripture that says you are greater than anything. I, I read these words of God that give us so many promises, but God, why am I in a low point? God, why am I facing what I'm facing? If God can deliver them, why am I here? Can I just be honest today? I've been there before. Have you been there before? God, why am I going through these health issues? God, why am I going through these family issues? God, why am I going through these things? And we ask these questions, and here's the deal. God sees exactly where you are this morning. You can try to disguise everything to your neighbor. You can disguise to the people around you, but God knows exactly what's going on in your life today. And that's a comforting thing. 
The story continues where God uh, then tells Gideon that he has brought him there for a reason, that he has called Gideon. And, and Gideon then gives the angel the Lord excuses to why he can't do it. He then goes on to say, okay, God, you met with me now. I, I, I'm complaining about where I'm at. And God says, okay, I'll take care of you. You're going to be all right. But then he says, you know what, God? You're calling me, but hey, my family is very poor. And, uh, you know, I, I'm the least of my brother. I'm the least of my family. But yet God, then he reaffirms his calling. Can I just say this morning, I am thankful for the grace of God. For when I doubted God, he was still faithful. When I said no to God, he was still there. When I gave everything else but God a try, he was still waiting for me. Are you thankful for that today, church family? I am so grateful for the grace of God where he kept on asking. He kept on pushing. He kept on giving me a chance. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. In 623, it says, And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, and fear not. Everyone say, Fear not. Thou shalt not die. And now Gideon feels empowered. He has met with the angel of the Lord, and he is ready to go. He has received a promise from God. But yet before God sends him to battle, he had to take care of something incredibly important for the battle. In 25, it says, And it came to pass that same night, that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, and even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it. He has visited with God. He has visited and he has heard promises from God. But before he heads to battle, before he goes to the next step, it says that very same night there is something about taking action when God calls. That very same night, the Lord said unto him, take your father's young bullock and even the second bullock of seven years old and throw down the altar of Baal that your father made. Gideon, I am calling you for a purpose. Gideon, I am calling you for a battle. But before you even go to battle, there is something you got to do. Now, I do not believe in generational curses in my, I don't believe that personally. But what I do believe is this, there are strongholds in our life. There are things that our fathers may have put into our life or our family or our whatever it might be where we say, you know, uh, this happened and that happened. But yet here Gideon is being called by God to go into battle. And he says, before I go, I must destroy the very thing my dad made. And here's the reason why. The thing my dad made is what separated me from the will of God. It's the thing that separated me from the voice of God. And can I just tell someone this morning that it is okay to tear down strongholds in your life because God is calling you to the very next level. And you may need to do that before you get the breakthrough in your life. There is power in obeying God's voice. There is power, there is liberty in obeying God's voice, but it will cost you something. It was his dad's altar. Good old dad, he, he made an altar of Baal and it was a, to worship the false idols. But yet that was the very same thing that separated them from God. If you got to tear down some things from your family, it's worth it. If you got to break some things for your family's sake, it's worth it. Because the will of God, the voice of God is so powerful. There are life altering changes that are needed when you give your life to God. And I'm, I'm treading carefully this morning when I say these things, but can I just be very clear to you? There is nothing greater than giving your life to God. Listen, I know that you can make a whole lot of money doing a whole lot of things and running businesses and your family has this and family has that. Listen, if you got to tear down your family's altar, it's all right if it doesn't give glory to God. you got to give glory to God. 
God is calling someone in this room today to tear down the generational idols in your life. I wrote that down on my, uh, on my notes and I just felt checked in my spirit when I said that because there are things that we are dealing with in our lives. That we say my dad or my granddad or my grandma, whatever it might be, we say they've, it, it's been in our family for years and years and years and I, I just can't break it. Today is the day that God can set that free. Today is the day you can walk free from cigarettes. Today is the day you can walk free from alcohol. Can I be honest today? Today is the day that God has made. I will be glad and I will rejoice in it. You don't got to be held captive by your neighbor, by your family lineage. I'm here to tell you today there's a God that can break through in your life today. Every hand raised right now. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Every hand raised across this sanctuary. Oh God, help us today. Help us not to have limited beliefs right now, God. Help us not to be limited by what we're thinking. Lord, I know you're going to move in this place another time. Come on, that's it. Lift up your voice right now. Lift up your voice right now. Hallelujah. God is calling someone in this room today to tear down the generational idols in your life. My question is this, if not you, who? If you won't do it, then who's going to do it? Are you going to wait for your son to get older, your daughter to get older? No, no, no. As for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. I am ready. I am ready to give my entire life to God. I feel the Holy Ghost so strong right now. It is time to say yes to God. It's not time to be playing with the world with one foot in the world and one foot in the church. It is time to get both feet in the church and say, I will serve the Lord. If not you, who's going to do it, church? If not you, who's going to do it? But the story goes on to say, don't just tear down the, the altar of Baal that your father built. Don't just do that, Gideon. But it says in verse 26, and build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock. It is not enough to just tear down the things that are causing separation. God is calling us to build a new altar, a new future, a new plan with him. It's not, it's not enough to say, you know what, I'll just tear down what happened last year in two, five, whatever it might be. But God's saying, build a new altar. Everyone say, new altar. What happened yesterday is yesterday. What happened last year is last year. God's grace and mercy is new every single morning. Amen. Amen. You can leave this place transformed today. You can leave this place a brand new creature in Christ. You can leave this place saying, I'm letting, uh, I am setting aside every weight, everything that's trying to beset me today. We can do that today. God is not just calling us to tear down the altar of what we were, but God is calling us to build a new altar. You can be the change your family needs. You can be the change your family needs. You can be the first apostolic minister in your family. You can be the first person in your church to lead a ministry in this church. You can be the very first. You can be that person because if God is for us, who can be against us? Amen. Amen. I feel an apostolic boldness in my spirit today to say you can change. You don't got to keep on holding on to yesterday, ma'am. You don't got to keep on holding on. God has a plan for you. But are you ready to give everything and obey God? Obedience is the key 
Obedience is the key to get the breakthrough you're looking for. Because God can use someone. He can use anyone. He can use those with imperfections. He can use those who, uh, there's so many things I can say right now. God can use anyone. If he can use a donkey, he can use me. I'm just being serious here, guys. God will use anyone who is willing. But yet in the story of Gideon, we find that there was over 135,000 people on the enemy side. And, and at the very beginning of chapter 7, Gideon and the Israelites, they had 32,000. So on the very onset, they're talking 32,000 good guys versus 135,000 bad guys. It's not good. It doesn't look good. But yet then God tells Gideon he has too many soldiers and he dwindles it down to 10,000. Now it's 10,000 versus 135,000, so it doesn't look very good. But of course, God then tells Gideon, you know what? You still have too many soldiers. And, and he gets it down to 300 people. 300 people versus 135,000 people on the enemy side. Surely Gideon was afraid. Surely Gideon was just like, you know, okay, 300 good guys, 135,000 bad guys. Why am I here? If you do the math, that's a 450 soldiers to one good guy. Listen, I know the small brothers are pretty strong, but I, I'm just saying, I don't know about the 450 to one odds, I don't know, but uh, it's not looking very good, but God then sends Gideon closer to the enemy, and, and he goes with his servant, and he receives encouragement by the dreams he could hear from the enemy, and, and then God then commands his army to get close to the enemy. He says, okay, now we're ready to go. Get very close to them. But I want you to surround the enemy, three groups of soldiers, and I would assume a hundred in each group. That's an assumption. That's not the, theological. But they surround the enemy, 300 soldiers. And when they hear that trumpet sound, they're going uh, they're, to they're blow their trumpets and they're going to break their empty pitchers and they're going to cry with a loud voice. Can you imagine Gideon explaining that to those guys? Listen, guys, we're going to get really close to them. We're going to get so close that we can hear their dreams. And when we get really close, listen, you're going to hear a trumpet. And when you do, you're not going to start fighting. You're going to take your trumpet and just blow your trumpet as loud as you can. And then you're going to take these empty pitchers and you're going to break them. That's what you're going to do. Huh? Can you imagine that for real? Like, put yourself in those shoes. They're like, okay, that's a great idea, Gideon. I really appreciate your leadership right now. This is good. And of course, as the story goes, we find that they do raise their, uh, they, they, they go ahead and blow their trumpets and they break the pitchers and they start crying with a very loud voice. And the Bible says they defeated the entire enemy, even though they were outnumbered 450 to one, but they beat him with, uh, with, the, with the trumpets, with the pitchers and with crying with a loud voice. You see the vessels that Gideon had, uh, Gideon's army used in battle only had one purpose. What God used in that moment, they were not used for anything else than just being broken. God will use broken things to defeat things in your life. God will use broken things to, to say, you know what? You, you think you need everything you need, whatever? That's not true. I am God, and I can help you today. Can I just say right now that God, if God can use an empty, broken pitcher to defeat an, an enemy that's 135,000 people, God can use you. He can use broken things for the will of God. And I, I just felt in my spirit that God is raising up a Gideon, so to speak, in this hour. That you know what? It doesn't make sense. The odds that I'm facing, what, what's going on in my marriage, what's going on in my family, it, all these things, it, it, it doesn't make sense, whatever. But God is saying, I'm going to raise you up for this hour, but you must obey. Yeah. 
Obedience is the absolute underlying theme of the entire scripture. It's called covenant relationship. He wants relationship with us, and that requires obedience on our part. You see, the Bible has several references to us as the clay and Jesus as the potter, and and we are constantly being molded and being perfected in the sight of the Lord. Jeremiah 18 says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again, another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. I am so thankful for a God that won't just throw me away. I am so thankful for a God that will take me as I am and say, oh, there's a little bit of mar here. This is broken right here. Let me go ahead and repair that. I'm thankful for a God like that. But the truth is this, we are all vessels. Every one of us is considered a vessel according to Scripture. And so often we walk into a church service where we feel God's presence, we feel God's joy and peace, and it's wonderful. That's how God operates, and I love that. But we walk into here acting like we are just perfect vessels. We, we walk into here th- saying, you know what, my life is just good. You don't got to worry about me, pastor. Don't worry about me, preacher. Listen, I'll be all right. You know, things at home are not going good, but I won't say that to you because I not have to explain things. Too honest? Too honest today? I'm sorry. But can I just say simply this? God is not calling you to walk into here perfectly. He's not calling you to walk in and say you got everything figured out. God just wants you to be a willing vessel. He wants you to be a willing vessel, but yet we try to hide all the hurts. We try to hide all the things that are, that are destroying our life, the things that are hurting and just, and just taking effect. We try to hide these things from God as if God doesn't know. He knows. He sees you. He knows where you're at. And so why do we come in here with our suit and ties on and our nice dresses and we look, we look so good? But yet we try to just make it a facade saying, I'm all right. God, don't worry about me. I, don't wanna, I won't come to the altar because they're going to think that I got something going wrong. Folks, if I could, I would live in the altar. I would just put a tent right there, a sleeping bag, and just sleep in this altar. Because here's the deal. I am an imperfect preacher. I have sinned before God. I, ha- I have been a broken person, but yet God is saying, come unto me. Just come home. Just come on home to the, I-, I can restore you. I can take your broken pieces. I can take you out of where you are, and I can use you. But to be restored at some point, you've got to turn the broken pieces to the potter. If you want to be restored at some point in your life, you got to quit holding on to the pieces of your life and say, I'll just fix it myself and throw some duct tape on you. And you say, you know what, I'll just repair myself. It's okay. But can I just be really honest with you guys this morning? A restored vessel by God is worth a whole lot more than a fake vessel. A vessel where God says, okay, you're, t- you're bringing me your hurt. You're bringing me the things that are just taken, uh, that are destroying. And you, you hand it to him and God's saying, I got you. I'll restore you. I know you made a mistake. I know you didn't do that right. I know you said that. I know you saw right? God is doing those things, but yet we have got to turn the pieces over to God. We start off feeling like, you know what? Uh, we, we, we start feeling, off, uh, feeling like, man, we got everything put together. We just are doing good, but we know life happens. Everyone say life happens. It happens. There's not much more you can say than that. Life happens. Cars start breaking down. Houses start doing, right? 
all these things. But yet, here we, we, we start seeing that our family starts falling apart and our marriage is kind of rocky and bills are overwhelming. And, you know, my, you know, my family's not very wealthy. I don't, got a, I don't got a great lineage of people who can help me out here with that. But, you know, we, we start feeling like, you know, we're a vessel of God. And so I can't show people that I'm broken. And God is not saying that whatsoever. God is saying, I want you to come unto me as you are. At times we feel isolated, we feel out of place, and depression starts kicking in, and anxiety starts setting in, and hopelessness starts setting in. We start feeling that way, but we will walk through the doors of church with a smile on our face and say, everything's all right, Pastor. Everything's all right, brother. Everything's all right, sister. Don't worry about it. Can I just tell someone today that God is in the restoration business? That is what he is there for. I can promise you right now, he will use your brokenness for the glory of God. He will restore your family. He can restore your marriage. He can restore all these things. But yet you got to give the pieces to God and say, God, I am ready. I'm a broken vessel. I'm a broken person. But God, I can't do it any longer. I want to be restored. And God looks unto you and he says, okay, now that you've given me your pieces, I am ready to restore you and, and, and forgive you and set you free from what's going on. But you got to make sure you got to make sure you give him the pieces. you got to make sure you give him the pieces because God is in the restoration business. Psalm 147, verse 3, if you're a part of all the recovery of any kind, they have said this scripture a million times. But it's a true scripture. He healeth the broken in heart. He restores it. He restores and he will bind up their wounds. That is the God that I serve. There's no need to be afraid of what God's going to think or do because if you come to him with the right heart and say, God, I am ready to turn my life around. God, I'm ready to set everything aside and say, I'm going to follow you. God will restore and he will bind up your wounds. Can I just say this morning, I'm going to move really quick here. Brokenness is a blessing. Brokenness is a blessing because it puts us on the road to breakthrough. Not my will, but thy will be done. Your brokenness is not the end-all, be-all. Where you are today is not where God wants you to stay. God is always calling us to another dimension. He's always calling us to another level, but yet we got to make sure we submit and say, not my will, but thy will be done. Isaiah 61 says, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for the mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. It ends the right way that he, that God might be glorified. He will, he will restore your life. He will help you, but it's for his glory. It's always for his glory. Some of us in this room this morning are so broken and so hurting that we're just looking for God to restore us. And that's all, we're in a good place for that. We're in, a, we're in a safe place for that. God is saying he's going to restore you, but he also wants to use you for his glory, for his purpose. Can I just tell someone today that God loves you? He cares about you. You are a child of God. You are a daughter of God. You are a son of God. That's who you are. But yet so often we try to sell ourselves lies. We try to sell ourselves so many things that God does not care. He does not hear us. And if you were a part of the Breakthrough Ministry training this weekend, Brother Dillingham, he shared so many testimonies, and it was incredible. But God is listening to our prayers. He sees us where we are, but yet it's always on us to make the step. We got to make the step and say, God, I am ready to do this.
The music can come. Mark 14, verses 3 through 5, it says, And being in Bethany, and the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman who, having an alabaster box of ointment, of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had the, uh, the indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and had been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. Mary from Bethany brought an alabaster jar, a box, which was a jar full of some very most expensive, just very precious perfume. And, uh, you know, at that time, it was some of the most expensive stuff you could have. And she said, okay, here Jesus is himself. He's getting ready to pass on and go to the cross. He, I want to anoint him with what I have. And so as the story goes, she breaks the, she breaks the box of ointment and she anoints him. And it's a wonderful, miraculous thing. It's so great. But what does the scripture say? And verse number uh, five, for it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. They were talking bad about Mary. Even though Mary was like, I want to I make sure I'm right with God. I want to make sure I'm, I want to do the right thing for myself and for my family. I want to make sure I do the right thing here. And so she took everything she had. She took that very expensive perfume and she said, God, I'm going to anoint you with this. And she breaks the bottle. And of course, as the story goes, they start talking bad about her. Can I just say this morning, a lot of times in our life when you start trying to turn that corner in your life and you want to try to change who, who you were from yesterday and last year and whatever, there's, there, there's this idea that your, your reputation is going to just carry on that, you know, once you did that, you're always going to be that way. And then all of a sudden you start trying to change your life and God's like, I can help you with this. They're going to talk about you, but I know who you are. They're going to say things about you, but listen, you don't got to listen to what they're saying. What am I saying about you? And what I felt so led by the Holy Ghost this morning when, I, when, when this was being wrote, uh, it was simply this. We value what people say about us way too much. When God delivers us from whatever we had to be delivered from, when God sets us free when he, and he forgives us of our sin, when he gets to that point in our life, we are now a completely different person. The Bible says we are a new creature in Christ. And in the story for Mary, I can imagine her thinking, I just gave away a very expensive perfume. I broke this to anoint Jesus. And, and now my friends and now my family, now these people around me are just talking about me. What I wanted to say is simply this, let them talk. Let them keep on talking because until you know what my God has done for me, if it had not been for the grace of God, if it had not been for the love of God in my life, I would not be here today. So let them keep on talking. I'm a new creature in Christ. Help us right now to understand this right now, that we don't got to worry what they are saying. We are a creature in Christ. We are a brand new person, and I'm going to give everything to you. But you realize she brought that perfume on purpose because she wanted to anoint Jesus and give what she had. So she takes that jar and she breaks it and immediately start talking about it. I want you just to note that scripture says that she broke the box and poured it on his head. You see, breaking something means you can't control the flow. 
If you took a jar full of oil and you just broke it, you can't control where it's going. But yes, she breaks this box and she, she, and she gives everything she has. And God is looking for us today to be broken and allow him to guide us. Because he can take a broken vessel and he can try to help restore us today, but we got to give it to him first. I can't help but give my life to God when I realize what he's done for me. So she takes what's precious and she breaks it. She anoints Jesus and she gives us all. And what I felt by God was simply this, was God is asking us today, if we are broken, come on home. If you're hurting today, ma'am, God can heal you. If you're full of depression and anxiety and fear, God can do that right now. As we all stand across this sanctuary, I felt the Holy Ghost strongly impressed me when I, when I was writing this message. We don't got to stay outside of this. The church wants you here. You can come into the church with whatever you have on you. You can bring whatever baggage you want to bring into this place. That's all right with us. The one thing we're asking you is simply this, give God a try. Give God a chance because God can take what you have. He can take the baggage. He can take the hurt. He can take all those things. He can take those things and he can use it for his glory. He can restore the broken pieces. But first, we got to make sure we get our life right with God. The best way to do that is very simple, is to ask God for forgiveness of our sins and say, God, I am sorry for what I've done. I'm sorry for what I've said and what I've gone and all the, whatever it might be for you. Can I just tell you right now that I ask God for forgiveness multiple times a day. I just, in, in case, Sister Lear taught me this in Sunday school one time. I remember her saying that she just prays for, she says, I pray for, uh, that you forgive me for the sins that I know of and the sins that I don't even know of. I make that prayer several times because listen guys, his grace and mercy is new. But what God is not wanting us to do is to have an emotional response to what he is doing and say, God, this feels so great. I feel so happy and so peaceful and joyful. That's great. But he's looking for life change. So you must repent of your sins and ask God for forgiveness. And the next thing the Bible says, you must be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. It will blot out everything. It will blot everything you've ever done. Out. And the Bible says, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that it, it gives you power. When you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, it gives you a power to walk after God. It doesn't mean that you're not going to be broken. God's body was broken for us. It doesn't mean that we're not going to face heartache and trials and tribulations. We're going to face those things. But when you have the Spirit of God in your life, it can set you free and change your life forever. Every hand lifted up across this sanctuary. Heavenly Father, we love and thank you so much, God. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and mercy. We thank you, God, for your grace. We thank you, Lord, for what you are doing in this place today. And God, I thank you for moving in this place earlier today. But Lord, I feel that there's a second wave that's going to take place here. I believe, God, we're going to take our broken pieces and say, God, I want you to restore me. I want you to restore my marriage. I want you to restore my family. I want you to restore my joy and my peace. And God, I want you to move today. Come on, that's it. Lift up your voice right now. Lift up your voice right now. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. 
Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week. Thank you.